Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Welcome to Small Business Digest on Blog Talk Radio. Now entering its fifth year, this show is hosted by Don Mazella, Editorial Director of Small Business Digest. Each week he brings you advice and information from experts and small business leaders like yourself. Each show is designed to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas from authors, experts, and small business leaders, just like most of the individuals who make up our audience. Whenever possible, Small Business Digest tests the products and services featured on the show to ensure they are of a quality to help listeners grow their small business. Guests do not pay to appear, but are chosen for their ability to provide ideas and suggestions to improve operations, expand marketing, reduce cost, enable better personnel management, and add profits. Remember, all of our shows are archived at www.blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. You can hear this show and all others at your leisure. If you like what you hear, tell others about the program. If you have a question or suggestion, email us at editor at is-incorp.com. Should you want to join us on this program during our live hour each Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, dial 646-929-2337. That's editor at is-incorp.com or 646-929-2337. We're only as good as our guest and audience make us. I'm particularly glad uh, today to have with us Dr. Jean Porter King. She's a former communi- communications professor. That, that's not why I like it, and, and but she had a, uh, she is a leadership and organizational development consultant and coach and a writer of five books and one of the more fascinating people I've run across in a long time. Jean, welcome to the program. Thank you, Don. It's good to be on your program. Uh, Jean, as we ask all our guests, tell us a little bit about yourself personally and a little bit about what you've recently been doing so our audience gets a feel for just exactly who and what we're talking to. Okay, great. Well, hello to all the listeners to the Small Business Digest. I am Dr. Jean Porter King. <clears throat> have a little bit of a froggy voice today. But I am a person who does leadership and organizational development, consulting, and coaching. And I run a small business now, but I always wasn't a small business owner. I grew up in the western Pennsylvania area of the United States in what at the time would have been the whole blue-collar steel mill valley. So I was... Um, groomed in this whole industrial area 
and went away to college to study industrial and systems engineering. So I actually have two engineering degrees, but only worked as an engineer for maybe nine months. I turned out I loved mathematics and so was great at problem solving, but when it came to real-life engineering, I was better at training the people who used the systems that we developed, and that's where I really felt I received my calling and felt a passion for, lead, for developing um, training programs, especially starting with technical programs. And then moved into leadership development, went on to do additional graduate work, certification programs, and uh, many, many years later, I'm now running this fabulous business that focuses on moving people and systems to higher levels of effectiveness. Well, what's the name of your, your company and your website? Excellent. My company is called Transporter Group, Inc. And I got that name. Uh, my maiden name or middle name now is Porter. And as I did some visioning exercises, looking at what I aim to do with clients and individuals, uh, I used a book by Laurie Beth Jones called The Path, Creating Your Mission Statement for Life. And that book helped me develop my mission statement for my company that in many ways parallels my personal mission. But moving people and systems to higher levels of effectiveness moves into the motif of the transporting people, or Transporter Group, Inc. And so that's where they can reach me, transportergroup.com. Those are where corporate clients typically find me or through word of mouth. And then I, ha I keep a personal website that I blog and keep an itinerary for my leadership speaking and personal work. And I do a lot of blogging or writing around women's leadership. So I hear 51% of your audience are women business owners. So I would invite them to come on out to my site and sign up for the blog um, and follow me or connect with me on LinkedIn um, because I try to empower and encourage and enlighten all leaders, but particularly women leaders in this day and age. And that site, my personal blog site, is jeanporterking.com. And Jean is spelled with two N's and an E, so J-E-A-N-N-E. PorterKing.com. Hmm. Well, uh, you, you, uh, I always use the opening to uh, frame my first question, but you left me with a, a couple of different questions. But I'll start with one. <laughs> what, uh, having people um, trying to move them up levels, uh, particularly in engineering and more technical areas, uh, seems to be one of the uh, major uh, challenges in America today. What are, are some of the issues preventing uh, people from uh, m moving up in, in uh, engineering or any other field that you see in today's world? Yes, I wouldn't limit, it, limit um, your question to just engineers per se, though I started in that technical arena and still work um, in systems that have very technical people, but also work with um, systems and organizations in the financial services arena, professional services. And here's what I believe is the key. 
and it, it, it's about um, learning the interpersonal skills as well as kind of the task or strategic skills that could move one into leadership. And one of the first things I believe people need to do is begin to see themselves as a leader and believe that they can help influence other people for the good. And one of the things that many of the folks I work with these days we're talking about is the idea of if you focus on your own personal gain for being a leader and what you can get out of it and even do to people, then we have a very different type of leader that is not necessarily working for the common good. But when an individual can align their gifts, their purpose, their goals with the broader system in which they work or the broader organization or community, that alignment creates the path in which they will begin to be seen as a leader, and some would use the term a servant leader, because they've dedicated their life to using those marvelous gifts they have in service to others to make people and the systems they work in better. So I think that is the key these days, is finding that alignment between a person's personal goals and values and competencies and what's needed in the organization or community or nation in which they serve. Well, uh, following up on that, uh, um, m many people feel betrayed when they dedicated 20 or 30 years to an organization and find themselves in the, their 50s out of a job, uh, thinking they had aligned themselves with the organization. And in fact, the studies I've read seem to indicate that uh, um, there is a, a greater lack of loyalty to organizations today amongst younger people. Um, how do you square that with what you just say, which I wholeheartedly agree with? I'm just uh, playing a little bit of a devil's advocate. Well, the devil has enough representation, as my former attorney used to say, so we don't have to do that. I, I totally agree with both points. I think there's a both and reality. Remember, I grew up in Steel Mill Valley in the 70s and 80s, and when I went away to college is when we began to see the death. It had been coming. It had been on the horizon, but we really saw the massive layoffs and the downturns, and my family members, uncles and my father particularly, was affected. And to be honest with you, um, when I studied organizational behavior and wanted to understand those things, I went into it for that very reason that you mentioned. I saw my dad, who had worked for 30 years to that company, given everything to that company, he had advanced into um, senior management roles, but the reality is, when the company went down, there, in my opinion, as a young adult, I didn't see a lot of loyalty to him. So I totally relate. And so when I talk about uh, aligning your vision and your purpose with the goals of the organization, that is mitigated by really clearly understanding your own purpose. And the purpose will often be broader than the organization, but you've got to, if you're within an organization, understand what your purpose is there for that season, that time, 
and always see something bigger and broader because at any given time you might need to shift or transition. I worked in organizations on and off for um, maybe 20 years before I started my company, maybe 15 before I started my company. But because my purpose was broader than any one company, I was able to align it at the time that I was in there, do great servant leadership while I was there, but I was never boxed in by a single company. And when I felt the calling to start my own company, and to be honest with you, I started as an entrepreneur, as an individual doing consulting work, and eventually had to transition into becoming a business owner as my skill sets were recognized and the products and services that I developed um, got noticed and we brought on more clients and I had to transition into becoming a business owner. Well, let me let me go uh, and segue into your newest book uh, because ah. uh, 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 I've, I've noticed in my long career as a, uh, in business that women tend to be more loyal to the organization than than men. And just something uh, I I I feel it might be wrong, but I feel that. And often, uh, uh, except amongst other things, lower pay, etc. Um, you have a new book on it, but I, how does what you just said apply to women uh, versus men? Well, one of my major services and products that my company has developed is geared towards women leaders. So I work with, as a matter of fact, this week alone, my team and I developed and launched um, three new um, programs for new clients and focused on primarily women leaders, that there are a number of CEOs and senior leaders who are committed to gender diversity, and they want the tools and techniques and strategies to help develop women. As one of my clients said, our goal isn't to build better women. Women are competent. Women leaders are competent, skilled. What they often need is an opportunity, a platform, and they need access to the top positions. So most of the work that we do is twofold. One is the leaders of the organization, they have to work on the unconscious and conscious bias, biases that are embedded within their organizational systems, processes, and programs. And so that looks at how they develop talent, how they uh, recruit and acquire talent, and even how they make assignments. Those are just some examples that there's embedded gender disparities within those programs. <laughs> Often it's not conscious. Often it might be so embedded that people take it for granted. And so we have senior leaders who are working on that. But at the same time, my programs help women develop um, sometimes what I call the self-awareness for not just what their own skill sets are and their inner proclivities and um, potentials, uh, but the self-awareness for how the very systems of the organization affect them and what they can do about it. We help them develop self-efficacy, the ability to speak up on their behalf, to advocate on their behalf, to even negotiate some of the disparities, like some of the salary disparities we hear about. And then we also help them um, navigate the organization better, and that we call that de developing organizational savvy. And so we have uh, a great time 
developing uh, women leaders because of some of the things you say, but the historic gender uh, gender, um, exclusion that is really, when you look at some of the stereotypes that are at the broader cultural level, especially in our, our country and across various countries, you know, we as women leaders do have what we call a double bind. Sometimes we're darned if we do, darned if we don't. If we're very relational and help to mentor and coach people, we might get pegged with being seen as the office mom. Everybody loves us. But then our performance review says they're not quite ready for leadership. And then if we take on a more strategic, take charge, direct approach, then we might be seen as the B word, Barracuda, of course, that we're a little too hard. Uh-huh. So we work on, on helping organizational leaders understand those stereotypes and how they affect women, but we also help women get untrapped from those very gender double binds that can trap us up and trip us up. So my new book, to answer your question, is dedicated to the wonderful things that women leaders have said across the ages that um, help define leadership in a broader way, helps to shift the images of who is considered a leader. And we've quoted women from political, um, the political sciences to corporate, to churches, faith leaders, to entertainers and artists. We've gone across the board to hear the wonderful wisdom that women have to say about leadership. What's the name of the book? That's what she said, exclamation point. 366 Leadership Quotes by Women. Let me say that again. That's what she said, 366 Leadership Quotes by Women. And it's a takeoff on the cultural meme of that's what she said, and it's often a playoff on women's words that men have sometimes turned into more of a sexualized joke. And it said in the opening, our words are not, matters of jokes nor the brunt of jokes our words are important as women and we have a lot to say on important topics leadership being one of them and our goal is to expand the horizon of leadership so that more women have access to those senior leadership roles both in faith communities business communities communities of education you name it well, uh, I will give you my favorite qu- quote from from uh, a woman from Eleanor Roosevelt. Um, uh, her quote was, uh, she judged uh, people by how long it took them to say the pronoun I. Uh, and ah. I always like that. Uh, I always like that one. Um, ah, uh, we have a few of her quotes in the book. One of my favorites is the very first quote is by Coretta Scott King. And she says, leaders do not ask for the task, but are tracked down by the spirit of the times until it consumes them. They reach a point where they become the symbol of the disaffected and the movement swirling around them. So I like that. Leaders do not ask for the task, but are tracked down by the spirit of the times. And that's how many of us came into doing what we do as leaders in our communities, our companies, and our homes, our churches. Um, we were tracked down by the spirit of the times that we were called to do this and felt this compassion and compulsion to um, make a difference in this world. 
Well, would you also not say that sometimes uh, in the case of women, it's, uh, circumstances forces them to be leaders? I will give you one example, if I uh, may. I once recruited a, a, a sales group made up of five women, all of whom were newly divorced women with children. That's going back many years. But within one year, they were the number one team in the entire company because they had to work and they had to succeed for their children. Yes. Yep. Yep. We hear many stories like that. Well, um, we're getting close to the the end of time. Um, Jean, if you um, uh, had to say two things that a small business leader uh, needed to know in order to be a leader, what would they be? That's an excellent question. And I was hoping we'd touch upon that because I've had some time kind of to reflect and think about developing leaders in corporate systems and faith communities and more of late because I've been running a small business and had to transition myself from being an entrepreneur, sole proprietor to a business owner. The first thing that I really would say to all entrepreneurs, budding business owners, is you've got to begin to see yourself as a leader, that you can't do everything by yourself, that you've got to develop what I call the infrastructure of support around you, that understand your competencies, your products and services, and what you're providing for your clients or customers, and have a strong organizational infrastructure in which there's clear roles, um, you're motivating people, you're um, inculcating them with the values that you want to see, that they represent your heart and your vision for your clients and customers. And, and make that transition um, as soon as you can so that you learn then to delegate, to share the vision, cast the vision, um, but then um, delegate clearly and empower people and allow them to empower others to be able to reproduce the marvelous products and services that you initially came up with, but it takes an entire team or organization to further that vision. So, and I often talk about building an infrastructure of support, professionals that are gifted, called, and competent to support you in your business. You can't do it um, on your own. One of the quotes we have in our books is that um, leaders today can't be lone ranger leaders that that day is over, the sun is setting on the lone ranger leader, but it's a leader now who can reproduce him or herself to be able to advance the vision of the organization um, the products, for the products and services that they provide for others. Um, we're uh, close to our time. Jean, we're talking with Dr. Jean Porter King. Uh, tell us again your, your website where people can reach you. And, and once again, your book. Excellent. Based on the things we talked about today, I want to focus on my um, website in which I write and provide tools for other leaders, and that's at jeanporterking.com, J-E-A-N-N-E, porterking.com. Uh, I'd invite people to sign up for the blog post. 
Um, they can find out more about my book as well as um, itinerary that's more around the coaching and speaking. And I would invite them for sure to go to Amazon.com and sign up for the book. That's what she said, 366 Leadership Quotes by Women. Thank you so much, Dr. King, for being with us and, and joining us today. Don, thank you so much for having me, and um, uh, shout out to you and salute to you for having this wonderful platform that encourages, enlightens, and equips small business owners like myself. Thank you for all the work that you do. Well, you certainly helped us today. Thank you. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Our next guest, who I'm looking also looking forward to, is Mark Dettering. He is an author, speaker, consultant, um, um, executive coach. He's a lot of things, and he's founder of Tri Triune Leadership Services. Uh, Mark, welcome to the program. Don, it's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, um, as we ask all, all our guests, um, tell us a little bit about yourself, your company, any, and anything else, uh, your background a little bit, uh, so people get to know you, and then we'll talk, talk about, uh, uh, from that, we'll talk about uh, other subjects. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Well, Don, I'm a, uh, basically a servant leadership development consultant and an executive coach. Uh, I really work with leaders to help them to understand what it looks like to lead at a higher level and really achieve their God-given potential. I stepped into uh, doing that after about 30 to 35 years in the printing industry in uh, some executive levels at a couple of the largest printers in the world and uh, just had the great opportunity to work with uh, some phenomenal people and learn from some great folks along the way. Uh, got involved with Ken Blanchard and his team and really uh, learning how to be intentional about driving a specific purpose-driven values-based culture and so forth. And after, uh, you know, a number of years in the corporate world, I just decided, um, and really I did feel, you know, called to step out and really give back, if you will, and uh, to be able to play out my personal purpose, um, which is to glorify God by helping people to lead at a higher level to enable them to achieve their God-given potential. And that's what I do at, uh, at Triune Leadership Services. Basically, that plays out in a number of different ways, either one-on-one -on -one in executive coaching, um, you know, with uh, leaders across the country, um, or uh, working with their senior leadership teams and helping companies really to institutionalize a culture of servant leadership within their organization. And then I also uh, work in uh, different communities just with uh, their senior leaders in the community, if you will, on helping raise up communities around what it looks like to uh, really raise up a culture of servant leadership. And as it, what I've in the last six years, you know, during my time of, you know, starting my business to try in leadership services, I've also written a couple books that really frame up the model of servant leadership that, um, you know, that I, I teach on and, and uh, really help people to understand what that looks like. Um, my latest book, uh, Leading Jesus Way, really is the overall, um, you know, the overall aspect of what I believe it really 
uh, looks like to be a servant leader out in our world in which we live. So that's a little bit of an overview. I, I live up in central Minnesota, um, you know, in, uh, in lakes country and uh, just am enjoying our beautiful summer right now where we, um, you know, it's our best time of the year where we enjoy the mid 70s every day and uh, and we try to get out of town in the winter time. <laughs> Well, that's interesting because I'm going to Minneapolis on Friday morning. Unfortunately, it's for a memorial service, but uh, my my wife is from Minneapolis, so. Um, okay, yeah, uh, it's a it's a great city and a beautiful area of the country for sure. Hmm. But anyway, um, well, you uh, you've also given me a lot to talk about. Let's first talk about your book and, and please re repeat the title for people and uh, t tell us why you wrote the uh, why, why you wrote the book and what is its uh, basic premise. Yeah, absolutely. The book's called Leading Jesus Way and the reason I wrote the book is I got uh, so much great reception from uh, the work that I was doing with clients, you know, in our local marketplace and so many people said you have got to write a book, you know, on this so that it can be spread out beyond, you know, central Minnesota, if you will. And, um, you know, I, when I was in the corporate world, I, you know, I learned, you know, what worked and what didn't. And a lot of that came, you know, from my faith, from, uh, you know, really the study of what, who I believe is the ultimate master of servant leadership, and that was Jesus. And so, I, you know, throughout my time in business, I really you know, noted, uh, you know, how Jesus led, you know, during, you know, basically the three years that we know most about, you know, that's written about in the Gospels, and, you know, tied that into what I found really worked in sitting in the chair of a, you know, senior leader. And uh, so I captured that in a model format to really give people the tools for how they could specifically step into being a servant leader and what that looks like. And what I've seen since I wrote the book and since I've been, you know, working with leaders one-on-one -on -one and with organizations is it really is transformational as people really get uh, an understanding of, you know, that God has called them to be a servant leader, that he's called them to really make a significant impact on the people that are within their sphere of influence it just elevates their passion for getting up and for being a leader and helping people to really achieve what they were born to achieve. And that's what I wanted the book to do is just uh, to really be a guidepost, if you will, of very specific action items, tools, and so forth for, you know, to help people along that journey. You know, it's very funny you brought, um, um, uh, bring this up because um, I'm going to Minneapolis. Um, my wife's sister, my sister-in-law, uh, died after a courageous battle with uh, ca cancer. But w what struck me was how her company, a relatively small company of 55 employees, enabled her to work almost to the end and accommodated um, her uh, her work to her various afflictions so that she was able to maintain a sense of accomplishment. And, and uh, I'm, I'm sure it cost them in terms of money for their uh, me medical plans, et cetera, but, but they did it. And uh, to the point even of restructuring a job and get, uh, uh, various things. Is that what you mean by uh, leadership? 
Don, that you couldn't have hit it any better. I mean, that is such a phenomenal example of exactly what we're talking about. I have clients that their people tell me, in fact, I mean, your story uh, just brings up one example. I had a person that had worked there 30 years and she went through a battle with cancer and she specifically told me that she would not be alive today if it were not for the fact that she worked for this organization and how they embraced her during this journey of, you know, her struggle with cancer, how they loved her through that time, how they adjusted their work, you know, to accommodate her and how the people rallied around her and just loved her at every step of the way. And that's, that is exactly what we're talking about. You know, it goes, it's all about, you know, uh, enriching people's lives, building self-esteem, you know, helping, you know, folks where they're at, and life is going on beyond the walls of an organization. And when organizations get that, and then when they embrace that, the people are gonna be so passionate about the work that they do for those companies. I mean, they will have forever loyalty from that standpoint. And that's a, a big part of what I talk about is when you focus on the right things, which is the people, and you really work to enrich their lives, you won't have to worry about the performance of the organization. It will absolutely come along the way and it will so outperform whatever your expectations were because you are focusing on all those right things. And your, your fact of your, your uh, relative that you mentioned in Minneapolis, that's exactly what it sounds like she experienced. And that is servant leadership at the core. That's exactly what it's all about. Yeah, um, uh, Mark, how how do you uh, uh, reconcile to the fact of uh, uh, the companies like Sears and uh, others are cutting back, cutting back, cutting back, um, and uh, uh, in effect, you you see dispirited employees, etc. I mean, uh, is it a Midwestern trait? I mean, the company happened to be in Minneapolis. Is it uh, a small business tra trait? But the point I, I, I seem to say when I tell that story uh, amongst people who have come from bigger organizations, they look look at me with um, a blank bewilderness. Yet you're saying uh, you've heard other stories. How do, uh, do, is it a small business trade or do, um, do you find it in bigger companies? Yeah, I really don't think it uh, does have anything to do with the size of the organization. Although that being said, certainly in a smaller organization, when the leader, you know, has a focus on servant leadership, has a heart for servant leadership, wants to play out their faith in the workplace, you know, it's easier to, you know, build that environment in a smaller space. But there's all kinds of great examples you know, in our world in which we live where bigger organizations have done that. Southwest Airlines is a perfect example. Toro is a perfect example. I mean, Starbucks, there's any number of examples of companies, of major companies, uh, Tyson Foods, if you will. I mean, where the senior leader, the CEO, absolutely believes in the value of their people at the core to the point where they know and recognize that servant leadership is what it's all about. They allow, you know, faith in the workplace. They allow people to love each other. They show that themselves first and foremost, and that's what they expect of all their leaders. And when people do that, I mean, they will get people that are aligned. That's what I love Dr. King talked about, you know, in your first segment is, 
you know, the ability for people to play out their personal passions in their workplace in which they live. I mean, organizations that are serious about building a culture of servant leadership are looking for people, you know, that have those same values. And that's what they, I mean, that's exactly what they're bringing on the team. And, you know, if you're not, you probably won't be on the team. I mean, you won't, you know, I mean, it won't be a place for you. So, it can absolutely be done, but it all emulates from leadership, Don. I mean, that's at the end of the day. That's why I work with senior leaders at the, you know, as much as I can, because that's where it all starts. And that's where, that's where the biggest difference can be made when they get it and they say, yes, this is the culture that we want within our organization. We want to be lifting people up every step of the way, walking alongside them, you know, at, at all costs, you know, that's really what we're all about. Now, you know, let's get after that. So, you know, I think it can be done in any organization, but it absolutely resonates with the leader and, you know, and how they play that out and how they, you know, set the organization up from the, the organization's purpose and vision and values. Oh, well, well, let me go really sideways for a minute because uh, you said you were in the printing industry and I happen to be uh, – uh, be in the publishing industry, but have have a uh, uh, really strong interest in printing. Uh, what about, uh, and there is an industry that has gone through a radical change over the last 20 years. And uh, uh, big companies like Donnelly have changed. Uh, smaller printing companies have, have gone out of business. The world is changing. Um, uh, how do you apply your principles into an industry like that? And have you done that? That is such a good question. We could talk for the next couple hours on that, Don. But let me give you I would a love to. I... <laughs> so I, I was at the senior level on the senior team of the Bonta Corporation when we sold to R.R. Donnelly. And, I mean, when I say we sold, I mean, we were publicly held. And so they, they purchased us on the open market, obviously. Um, I'm sorry. And, and what ended up happening? What's that? I didn't. I didn't hear the company. I'm sorry. Oh, Bonta what Corporation. Company? Bonta, oh, okay. B A N T A. Yeah. Bonta. Oh, Banta. Sold, oh, so, oh, yes. Yeah, Banta. Right. Yeah, we uh, we pronounce the Banta, but Banta. Yeah. So we're a, what a, a, a billion and a half dollar company, right? And we sold to Donnelly, which is you know ten, twelve, fourteen billion, whatever. And, and what, what I saw there was the values were totally, totally different. And so, Donnelly, what you have in the printing industry is a consolidator, right? So, the market is going down. I mean, it's just it's, it's continuously going away for the last 20 years because of the digital world. And so, to continue to survive in the publicly held you know, world, you have to keep your sales going north, right? So, they're strategy is to consolidate printers and then cut costs. And so they did not have a lot of, you know, I mean, they, they weren't focused on people. They were focused on consolidation and cutting of costs. And so I stayed on with Donnelly for about 18 months. You know, they asked me to, I helped in the integration and all that kind of stuff. But the bottom line is, is I was locked down on my personal purpose and what, you know, what I brought to the table. And that was helping leaders to understand how to lead at a higher level. And we were driving that type of a culture within Bonta. Uh, but, you know, at the time we got, you know, swooped up and purchased by this company that that wasn't their value. So 
even though you know I was at a senior level, I was in charge of all the magazine platform for Donnelly. That's what they the the role that they gave me. And so the the you know the overall you know world today would say, how could you ever leave a job like that? And there, it was very easy for me in that I could no longer play out my personal purpose. You know, so I knew that I did need to leave, you know, if I was going to be true to myself and all the things that I had talked about during the last, you know, 30, 27, whatever years, you know, at Vanta. So that's, that, that's really what the situation is. And it's that, I mean, Donnelly has been successful with that strategy and that's fine. It just, that, that's not for everybody. And so the purpose and the, the values that they emulated were not for me. And that's why the tighter that you as a leader understand what your own personal purpose is, the more that you can get in alignment with where you want to be. And so the printing industry, as you say, very challenging. It's, uh, it's taxed with, you know, the marketplace that it's in. But absolutely, I to this day work with some printers that are, you know, wanting to drive a culture of servant leadership and they're very, very successful. They're highly successful in what they're doing. And, um, and it's, it's just, to me, it's the only, only way to go and only way to lead. Their people are loyal. You look at the people on the other side and they're not so loyal. They're wanting to get off the bus and that type of thing. So. Well, but, well, let's go a little further and talk about the pressmen, the people, the, the craftsmen that were printers 30 years ago. Um, uh, uh, who are now in, in in many cases faceless and in many cases difficult to find uh, to run the, uh, the, these machines and we're we're facing a digital revolution. How do you um, uh, how do you uh, encourage young people and to take up a trade or to, which uh, in many ways is as skilled as an artist to to properly mix inks, et cetera, uh, as you and I both know. And uh, can you use your principles to be successful there? Yeah, there's no question about it. You can, Don. And that's what I'm, I work with manufacturers a lot. Uh, and whether it's machining companies, whether it's aluminum extrusion, whether it's packaging equipment, whether it's printers, you know, that type thing. There is such a great need for craftsmen in our world today and, you know, uh, all those types of people. And there's people that absolutely have the amazing skill set for that. And that's what purpose is this neat, you know, combination of, you know, a person's God-given abilities and skills, a person's values, and the legacy that they want to leave in this world. And you pull all those things together and you can absolutely have a brilliant career as a pressman, as a machinist, as a welder. And the impact that you can still have in those roles when you think about yourself as a leader and the person that's working alongside you, you know, and how you can lift them up every day and how you can bring energy to them every day by just being positive and by being uplifted, by being caring and compassionate. I mean, it doesn't matter what role you're in in the company. Every single role is absolutely critical, is, you know, so important to the organization's fulfillment of their purpose. And whether you are, like I say, a pressman, a binary operator, I mean, you name it. I mean, they're all critical. They're all important. 
But the where people really get it and what why I'm so focused on leaders is that they need to be the ones that are instilling that energy in those folks and letting them know how important they are to the achievement of that, you know, organization's purpose, vision and values. And that's where that that energy emulates from leaders and, you know, recognizing how critical all those people are to, you know, the equation. And that's why I had some struggles with some of those, you know, companies that we were talking about before is, you know, they just view people possibly as a piece of the equipment as opposed to real people. And that's where I, you know, have some disconnect. When you, you know, really recognize the value that every single person has in your organization, that's what it's all about. That's where people are going to want to be. And that's why to our listeners, you know, the small business entrepreneurs, that's really at the end of the day what it's all about. I mean, really lifting your folks up, recognizing they are the difference. They're the ones that are making it happen every day. And you really, you know, embracing them and, you know, uh, providing everything that they need to continue to do that, letting them know, you know, just the extreme value that they're bringing to the table every day is just, uh, that's what it's all about. Well, we're getting close to the end. Let me, Mark, give me an example in your book of what, of some of the, of what's a leader can can do uh, in this area or, or take a principle uh, uh, from our Lord that uh, they can apply uh, to, to business. Absolutely. So just real quickly, and this is what, if you look again at, at how Jesus modeled his life, first off, get grounded on your purpose and don't lose focus on that. Everything should be done, you know, after what that is. And you can call it mission. You can call it purpose, whatever word you like. But just stay, allow that to be the funnel of all your decisions. And then start bringing energy to your folks, you know, and that comes by the worthwhileness of their work, encouraging them, lifting them up, allowing them to do their great work, getting their brains in the game, you know, all that kind of thing. Next is to build performance. You know, this servant leadership is not soft. You know, we're got, we have to drive to improve every day or else we are going to get passed by. And, and Jesus expected big things from his disciples. I mean, he didn't expect it just to, you know, be this nice, soft environment. I mean, we've got to be working to improve every day. The other big piece is relationship. It's all about relationships. So as leaders build relationships, you saw Jesus doing that every step of the way. You do that first and foremost by loving people. You know, the eight behaviors of love that he talks about, you know, that Paul really mentioned to the church of Corinthians in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, four through seven, you know, patience, kindness, respectfulness, selflessness, uh, humility, forgiveness, you know, commitment, those things, yeah, that's absolutely critical. When you play those out as a leader, you will build relationship. And the thing that, you know, rests on top of everything is be a person of high character. You know, you have to be somebody that will be trusted. And so, you know, aligning your actions with your words and uh, being that humble person that's always looking to improve and learn and that type thing, you know, you combine that as a model and you are going to, you know, be playing out servant leadership. Your life is going to be transformed and you are going to transform the lives of those people in your sphere of influence. Well, we're almost at the end of time. Um, Mark, uh, Tell people again uh, how they can find you, your company, and your book. Absolutely. So my uh, website is 
triune, that's T-R-I-U-N-E, leadershipservices.com. You know, I, my company is named after the Trinity, if you will. I think that's the ultimate example of servant leadership. So triuneleadershipservices.com. And there you can sign up for my, you know, to get my weekly blog that I write about. You can also uh, get access to the book, my book, Leading Jesus Way, and my other book, A Model of Servant Leadership. Both are uh, on Amazon, and you can get those there. Uh, but I would love to uh, connect with anybody and everybody, whether it's on LinkedIn, um, you know, Facebook. My Facebook site is also Trying Leadership Services. Uh, just uh, I love getting connected with leaders who have a heart for servant leadership, who wants to continue to advance and make our world a better place. I, I am all about multiplying servant leaders, just like, uh, you know, what Jesus did. And, and that's what it's all about, because I know our world's going to be a better place when that's the case. And Don, I absolutely appreciate what you do to, you know, just enhance leadership across the, across the world and across your platform as well. You do a phenomenal job. It's just clear, you know, with the, I just listening to Dr. King and the work that you do and all the, you know, the people that you're reaching, I really lift you up and uh, thank you for the great, great work you're doing in this area as well. Well, thank you as well, and thank you for joining us today. It's been a real great ple pleasure to have you, Mark, and have a great great rest of the summer up there in Minnesota. Yeah, blessings to you and your uh, trip up here this weekend as well, Don. Well, have a good day. Yeah, you Before too. you hear this. Take care. Or this. Or even this. Before you turn a key, step on the gas and let it rip. Before you get up and out and on the road, you have to be fueled by something. Make sure that something is Valero. Valero top-tier certified quality fuel keeps your engine running cleaner, better, and longer. Find a station near you at ValeroCleanGas.com. Thank you for listening. We will be back next week with other guests invited to help you, our audience, improve operations, expand marketing, reduce cost, enable better personnel management, and add profits. Remember, all of our shows are archived at www.blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. You can hear this show and all others at your leisure. If you like the show, tell others about it. Want to make a comment or be a guest? Email us at editor at is-incorp.com. Your host was Don Mazella, Editorial Director of Small Business Digest. Until next time, keep faith with the ideals that made America great. And remember, small business is still the backbone of commerce. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.